All right, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me on the show. My name is John Whitaker. If we have never met and this is your first time on the podcast, welcome. I am so glad you're here. I would love to connect with you however we can. You can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. Links are down in the notes below. But here on the Bible in Life podcast, we like to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology in the language of everyday life that's connected to everyday life so that we can follow Jesus in our everyday life. And here in the last few episodes of the podcast, we've been actually looking at specific teachings of Jesus that are hard to understand and trying to wrestle with what those teachings are all about. I'm super excited about the two uh, teachings of Jesus we're going to explore and wrestle with today because they directly pertain to discipleship and to following Jesus. And yes, they are challenging, and they're hard to understand, and they're difficult, and they are so, so important for us to hear and try to understand what Jesus is saying. So I'm super excited about that. Before we jump into that, since we're looking at the teachings of Jesus, and since both the passages that we're going to look at today come out of the Gospel of Luke, I just wanted to note something for you that I have another a teaching podcast where I just teach straight through Bible books in a way to help kind of lay those books out in front of you, much like what a written Bible commentary does. But again, it's an everyday language, down-to-earth language. It's called the Listener's Commentary on the New Testament. You can check it out at listenerscommentary.com or on your podcast app. You can just search for the Listener's Commentary. You should be able to find it that way as well. I'll put a link to that down in the notes below also. But there I just teach straight through Bible books in everyday language so that you can learn and live the Bible for yourself. And so if you want to study the Bible and dig more into it, man, that would be a great little tool for you. So Listener's Commentary. And the reason I bring it up here on this episode is because I've just started recording uh, teaching through the Gospel of Luke. Now, that's a huge undertaking. Gospel of Luke and its companion volume, Acts, both written by the same man, Luke and Acts, together constitute almost a third of the New Testament. So working through Luke, and then I'm going to jump into Acts, and that'll be a huge undertaking. I have no idea how long that'll take, but we've just started Luke. And so if you want to uh, walk through the Gospel of Luke in more detail and try to really understand it, understand some of these teachings of Jesus in more detail, even ones I'm going to talk about here on this episode. Uh, the listener's commentary on Luke might be a good place for you to start. All right, with that, let's jump into this uh, this episode and the topic for this episode where we get some really harsh words of Jesus about discipleship. And two people who are Prospective disciples, people who seemingly are open to the possibility of following Jesus, they seem willing to be disciples, and Jesus' words aren't very welcoming at all. Uh, the first one comes from Luke chapter 9, and Jesus says to somebody who seems willing to be his disciple, let the dead bury their own dead. What in the world's going on here? So let's read it in context. And let's try to understand exactly what he means by that statement, all right? Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. It's the way Luke has organized his gospel. And so Luke now has shifted to the long middle section of his gospel where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the final events uh, that lead up to his, his death, burial, and resurrection. And they're going along the road. That's the way Luke has pictured this middle section of the gospel. And so verse 57 of Luke chapter 9 picks up at that point. It says, as they're going on the road, someone said to Jesus, 
I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So here's a prospective disciple initially that says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus just wants him to know right up front that, hey, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. Like even foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man, which is Jesus' way of referring to himself, the Son of Man, he doesn't have a place to lay his head. He's out of place in this world. All right, that's the first one. The next one is where we get our statement. Verse 59, and Jesus said to another, as they're going along the road, follow me. And that person says to Jesus, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Uh, what's going on here? Like, Here's somebody that Jesus invites to be his follower. This person seems willing and interested in doing that, but wants to go bury his dad first. And then Jesus seems to rebuke him for it. It's like, dude, Jesus, can't this guy just go to his dad's funeral and then he can come and finish following you? That's the way it reads to us and that's the way it sounds. And so we need to hear and understand what Jesus is actually saying and hear it in the cultural context. Really, really important for understanding the Bible. So we have to remember, uh, it wasn't originally written to us, even though it's written for us. It was written to a different audience. These words of Jesus weren't originally spoken to us, and their culture was different than our culture. And so things um, don't always mean to us what they sound like because of the cultural differences. That's what's going on here in this particular context. So this guy says, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. This sounds like a perfectly honest, perfectly legitimate request. The, if the guy's dad had died or is like on the verge of death, then what's wrong with going to his dad's funeral? How callous can Jesus be, right? Like, but that's not the situation. That's not what that phrase, permit me first to go and bury my father, means. It doesn't mean his dad has died. And it doesn't mean that his dad is even about to die. In traditional Middle Eastern culture, to bury one's father means this. It means, let me go and serve my father while he is alive. And then after he dies and I bury him, then I'll come and follow you. That's what it means. In fact, if his father has recently died, then why is he on the road traveling with Jesus in the first place? Why isn't he at home preparing for the funeral in the first place? Right. Um, the phrase to bury one's father is a traditional idiom for the social duty of taking care of your parents until they are respectfully laid to rest. That's the way Kenneth Bailey describes it in his super great book on uh, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, one of his books. And then another book, Poet and Peasant, um, where he deals with Jesus' teaching in Middle Eastern culture. Kenneth Bailey grew up uh, in Middle Eastern culture. He spent his most of his adult life in Middle Eastern culture. And so he has a lot of insights into that. Not only that, he, he actually can read Middle Eastern commentators from very close to the time period of Jesus commenting on these things. And so he has more of a sense of the cultural feel of these things. And so the phrase... Permit, permit me to bury my father is really saying, I need to go fulfill my family obligations, take care of my father and my mother and my family and fulfill my responsibilities socially to them. 
And then once those are taken care of after my mom and dad have died, then I will come and follow you. That may be five years. That may be 10 years. It may be 20 years down the road. Who knows? It's not necessarily just like in the next couple of days. So this person is saying, first, let me take care of my social responsibilities and my familial responsibilities. And then at some point in the future, I'll come and follow you. That's what he's saying. And that's the reason Jesus responds to him the way he does. Jesus then says, allow the dead, seemingly meaning the spiritually dead, to bury their own dead. Uh, but as for you, you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then his kingdom has to be first and foremost to you. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then Jesus has to be your king. And your first and foremost responsibilities aren't to social customs, aren't to social norms, aren't even to your family. And we'll see that in the next passage more stringently. Um, they are first and foremost to Jesus as king and what Jesus is calling you to do. That's the point. These words of Jesus are so shocking and so contrary to um, social customs in the Middle Eastern world that Kenneth Bailey, who I mentioned a moment ago, says that uh, oftentimes when he would go to a Middle Eastern village and he would read these words of Jesus and they would hear these words and understand these words of Jesus, they would say things like, it's no wonder he got killed. It's no wonder they killed him. Because he's challenging social norms. He's challenging cultural authority. He's challenging long-held traditional values. He's basically saying that he himself, Jesus, a 30-something-year-old rabbi, is more important and more uh, authoritative than your family. Ah, that is like shocking in Middle Eastern culture. And so Jesus responds by saying, you need to live for the kingdom of God. That has to be your life. That has to be what you live for. That has to be what you talk about. That there are two great kingdoms at work in the world. One is the kingdom of this world. One is the kingdom of God and Jesus. And Jesus is calling us to choose which one we're going to be a part of and which one we're going to serve. All right, that's the first passage we want to look at in this one, where it's a harsh word about discipleship. The next one shows up in both Matthew 10 and in Luke 14. We'll start with Matthew 10, uh, and then we'll, we'll look at Luke 14, because Luke 14 is even, even stronger than Matthew 10, and Matthew actually helps us understand what Jesus is getting at in Luke 14. So in Matthew chapter 10, um, verses 34 through 39, uh, Jesus is saying, he says, I, I didn't come to bring peace on an earth. I came to bring a sword, a sword of hostility, division, tension. He says, I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A person's enemies will be the members of his own household. In other words, there will be hostility, conflict, division, tension, even amongst families as a result of following Jesus. Then he goes on and says, the one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The one who doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The one who has found his life will lose it. And the one who has lost his life on my account for my sake will find it. That's Matthew 10, and, and that's Matthew's version of this. Now, in, Jesus, in Luke's version of it, Luke 14, it's even stronger. Matthew, he says, the one who loves father or mother 
more than me isn't worthy of me. In Luke 14, it's it's even harsher. This is what he says, Luke 14. Now, large crowds were going along with him. We're still in this middle section of Luke's gospel where we're on the way to Jerusalem. Large crowds are following him. And he turned and said to this crowd of potential disciples, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Man, this is a harsh word from Jesus here in Luke 14. If you want to be his disciple, Jesus says, then he says, you, you got to hate your own father, mother, family, right? Wife, children, brothers, sisters, even to your own life if you want to be his disciple. Um, that's, that's a harsh word. Now let's talk about the preceding context. Put that in context. Try to understand exactly what Jesus means by hate your family, all right? We've got to listen closely to what Jesus is saying. We've got to make sure we hear it in context. So in the preceding context, um, Jesus is at a dinner feast, and he has told a parable that illustrates how the kingdom is wide open to all kinds of people, that the grace of God manifested in the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing into the world in his person and in his ministry, that the grace of God in, an, in that kingdom is inviting anybody and everybody into the kingdom. And often the people you would think would be the most ready to accept it uh, and enter into that kingdom, they reject it. And we see that all throughout Luke's gospel, all throughout the gospels, and all throughout Jesus' ministry, that the people you would think would be most willing, most ready for Jesus' kingdom, they reject it. But those who you would think would not be ready, who are on the fringes in, of society, and those who seem to be, you know, not going God's way at all, they're flocking into it. And so the grace of God manifested in the kingdom of God is open to anybody and everybody. And that's the point in the preceding context is that uh, everybody, all kinds of people are invited to come into God's kingdom. But then in this next section here in Luke 14 that we just read uh, with He's, the, he's turned his attention to the crowds. So we've left that, uh, that banquet where he's telling a parable about the kingdom of God being open to everybody. And now he's got these crowds of potential disciples around him. And so he issues a warning. And the warning he issues is that grace invites all into the kingdom, but it also places demands on all as they enter the kingdom. That grace invites anybody into the kingdom, but it also has high demands on those who would enter the kingdom. In other words, although the king, Jesus, gladly welcomes anybody and everybody into his kingdom, entering into his kingdom still requires us to honor him as king. So that's what's going on here in this warning section in Luke 14, 25 through 27. Notice it's addressed, as I said, to the crowds. These are potential disciples, and they need to know that just being there isn't, isn't enough, right? It's not just like, oh, I was there when Jesus taught that. Oh, it was so incredible. Oh, the electricity in the crowd was great. Oh, I was there when Jesus healed that guy. Oh, it was awesome, right? Like just being there and a part of the crowd is not enough. Deep loyalty, absolute loyalty to King Jesus is actually required to be a part of his kingdom and to be his disciple. So the, the grace of God is open to all, but it requires absolute loyalty of anybody that wants to enter into the kingdom. Not only that, 
notice that, that, that these words uh, address and specify the most important relationships of life. Father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even to your own life. The most important relationships in life. In fact, in a more communal culture such as theirs, these relationships, these family relationships, father, mother, and all these, these family relationships defined your identity. These family relationships in their culture were your highest loyalty. In fact, these family relationships from your father particularly, that, that held the greatest authority over you even to the end of your life and the end of their life, right? Like uh, an adult man in that culture would still seek permission from his father to change careers, right? An adult man in traditional Middle Eastern culture, even to this day, um, still, even if it's a mere formality, will give deference to the authority of the patriarch of the family um, as just part of what it means to do life. These relationships that are specified here are the relationships that shaped you, defined you, and that had authority over you. That's important to understand what Jesus is getting at. And then the other thing to note here, when Luke in Luke 14 has Jesus saying, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's interesting. And that's the challenging part. Um, it's challenging because the, the most unique feature of Jesus' teaching is love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. Like that, that's a distinctive of Jesus' ethic, of Jesus' way of life. Love your enemies. And it would be odd for Jesus to tell us to love our enemies and then hate our families. So we have to listen really closely, again, in the total context of Jesus' teaching, to what Jesus is saying. And this kind of expression that we, we have here is a Semitic expression. Semitic meaning Jewish culture, right? That Near Eastern culture, such as Jewish culture. So a Semitic expression using hyperbole to convey the idea of uh, loving something more than something else, to Love A and to hate B means I prefer A and love it far more than I do B, right? That's the idea that we're talking about here. It conveys the idea that loyalty and devotion to Jesus must be so superior to even your deepest relational loyalties in life that those relational loyalties must be a distant second. They're, they're far down the line. That loyalty to Jesus and devotion to Jesus is so paramount and so primary that even those other social relationships that are customarily so important have to be a distant second to him. That's the idea. And that's where Matthew's version helps make this clear for us. When Matthew says, anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's the point even of Luke's statement. It's, you've got to love me more than um, all these other things. So hate in Luke 14 equals love less, significantly less, far less, so that Jesus and his kingdom now define your identity. So that Jesus and his kingdom is your highest loyalty. So that Jesus and his kingdom has the greatest authority over you. That's the point. Hate doesn't mean 
animosity. Hate doesn't mean hostility. Hate here means love less, far less than your loyalty to, your devotion to Jesus. That's the point. So that family is not king. Jesus is king. Family is not master. Only Jesus is master. And in their culture, that is radical, and that is subversive, and that is challenging, and, and particularly coming from this 33-year-old rabbi who's wandering around Galilee and Judea. He is challenging deeply, deeply held social norms and saying that if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, then your loyalty to he himself has to be far greater than your loyalty to anything or anyone else. And here's what that says to us. It says to us that discipleship requires absolute loyalty to Christ and the gospel. Whatever you think is more pressing or more important than Jesus needs to be laid down at the feet of Jesus. Whatever social norms are stated in your culture as the chief priority and the chief ambition, those need to be renounced for the sake of Jesus. Maybe it's education. Maybe it's career. Maybe it is family. Maybe it's your comfort. In American culture, one of those things is self. You don't get to do your own thing. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus and be part of his kingdom, the, he will graciously welcome anybody and everybody. But you've got to lay down yourself, your own life. You don't get to do your own thing. Whatever sources of inspiration or wisdom and advice for life you listen to, well, those need to fade into the background, the distant background, and Jesus' voice needs to come to the fore. What he says goes, no matter whether it's popular or not, no matter whether it's convenient or not, no matter it agrees with what you think or not, Jesus' voice is the voice that you listen to. His teachings are the thing that shape your life and drive the mission of your life. This also means for us that churches really need to stop soft-selling the gospel. In both of these statements that we've looked at in this episode, Jesus does not soft-sell the gospel. He has potential disciples all around him, and he offers a hard sell. <laughs> like, he really challenges them uh, about what it means to be his disciple. Because the gospel proclaims that Jesus is king. That's the heart of the gospel, that Jesus is king, risen from the dead, ascended to God's right hand. And now he's calling all people into his kingdom. And guess what? He's so full of mercy and grace. He'll welcome anybody and everybody. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done. Complete amnesty for you. You can come into his kingdom. And yet, he's still king. And as king, he gets our highest loyalty. And he has highest authority. And so, we need to stop soft-selling the gospel and proclaim that Jesus is king and he wants you to be part of his kingdom. He will welcome you into his kingdom. You just have to lay down your life. Lay down your life. Surrender your life and come into his kingdom. And that requires absolute loyalty to Christ as king and to the gospel as the news about him as king. That's the point of both of these passages here that are harsh and are challenging and are difficult, but they're made to wake us up and to realize that, that Jesus is the King of Kings and he gets our highest loyalty and he has the highest authority over our life. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible Life Podcast. Man, what challenging words from Jesus, but what important words for us to remember and to hear that Jesus is our King and he gets our highest loyalty. 
Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks to those of you who financially support this ministry. God bless each and every one of you. I look forward to talking to you again next week.